You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everyone. Welcome to MLB.com Extras. Today we are talking Mets baseball. We bring in Anthony DeComo of MLB.com. Anthony, listen, I don't always like to ask you about Tim Tebow because sometimes it's not really that relevant of a story. I mean, a lot of people like to talk about Tim Tebow just because it can be, you know, fun to talk about players who cross over from one sport to the other. But there was some legitimate Tim Tebow news this week in which Jim, uh, in which GM Sandy Alderson said he thinks that Tim Tebow will play in the majors. What was your reaction to that? Well, first of all, I don't buy for one second that you don't like asking about Tim Tebow. <laughs> I think you like doing that all the time. I love it. But, <laughs> but to answer your question, yes, this was a uh, – a bit of an eyebrow raise when Sandy Alderson said that. Not not that I'm even all that surprised that he thinks that, but more it's it's a big leap for a guy who is now 30 years old, obviously hasn't played above A-ball, didn't hit all that well in A-ball, despite the fact that he made some pretty market improvements from spring training a year ago until now. Uh, it, it's a big leap, but the point is it's cut this statement – that I think Tim Tebow will play in the big leagues is coming from the man with the power to make that happen, regardless of whether he hits or not. So if the general manager of the New York Mets says, I think Tim Tebow will play for the New York Mets, then love it or hate it or something in between, you got to think that there's a pretty reasonable chance that this actually could happen at some point in the next couple of years. Now, it's going to take some improvement because as Currently constituted as he currently is, uh, Tim Tebow, you know, isn't good enough right now to make the major leagues. He's just not there. But he has made improvements, and if he continues down that path, sure. Now that it's out there, the GM said it, the cat's out of the bag. I could certainly see a scenario in which Tim Tebow is a September call-up, uh, maybe this year if the Mets are out of contention. If not, maybe in 2019. But it's a real possibility, and this is something that. I think Tim Tebow himself wasn't even willing to acknowledge a year ago when no one really knew where this experiment was, was headed. But he's saying it now, too. Not necessarily that he thinks he'll make it, but that he wants to and that his goal, his end game for this whole thing is to play in the major leagues. All right, humor me here for a second about this because what Sandy Alderson was saying, you know, a lot of it had to do with the entertainment value of Tim Tebow. But a lot of reporters I saw were posting videos and commenting on Tim Tebow's stance and his swing and how that's, you know, changed over the offseason and how, you know, he slimmed down. Does he look like more of a baseball player? He looks like a completely different athlete than he was a year ago. I cannot overstate how different he looks uh you know we saw him play baseball uh, most of us for the first time last spring and he was stiff he had a very wide base with his stance it didn't look very athletic the swing was super long which led to a lot of swings and misses obviously throughout the season for tim tebow um he looked like a football player and <laughs> i know that sounds cliche to say but it's true he was a football player and he looked like one now, he says he lost 12 pounds. You can see it. He's much leaner. He looks a lot more uh, athletic, especially in his batting stance. It's much narrower now. He's much quicker to the ball. The swing is much shorter. And look, Alexa, I'm not a scout. I- I'm actually, I would say, quite bad at picking up mechanical changes and pitchers and hitters and all of that. But when something's that dramatic, 
when something I should say is dramatic enough that I can notice it with my naked eye, that means it's pretty dramatic. So Tim Tebow has made some wholesale changes to what he's doing. And his response to all of that is kind of, look, before last year, or before late 2016, I had not played organized baseball since I was a kid, since high school. So uh, there was going to be an adjustment period. There was always going to be an adjustment period. And I think, uh, I don't think people really thought he would have even the success that he had last year. It was modest, but it was there. So now that he's getting all the right coaching and he's going about about things the right way, going through all the correct training methods, learning again how to be a baseball player, yeah, you're seeing a big difference. And uh, whether or not that translates, we'll see. If Tim Tebow really wants to be more than just a quote-unquote entertainment value piece, this will be a big season to show that, yes, he can not only succeed uh, as a professional baseball player, but that he can hit pitching maybe even in the upper levels of the minors. Yeah, I mean, Anthony, listen, the reason that I like talking about it, and you're right, I do like talking about it, is because, one, (laughs) one, it's a fun storyline, but two, if the guy actually has a chance, if the door is open and he does succeed, to me, that's one of the greatest storylines. So, you know, for me, I'm rooting for this guy. He's a little bit of a, you know, an underdog in terms of actually making it, Uh, but I do think he obviously has the the GM behind him, so uh, maybe not that big of an underdog, and I do think if he's willing to put in the work, there's just really no downside. They talk about how good of a guy he is in the clubhouse, how good of a mentor he is to these younger players. I know Mets Twitter was just so up in arms about this storyline, and I just thought to myself, what's the downside? People saying, oh, he's going to take at-bats away from people who deserve it. Well, I would tell those people to work harder. Be better than Tim Tebow. Use him as competition rather than complaining that Tim Tebow is going to come in and take at-bats away from you. And honestly, he's going to provide at-bats and and put butts in seats that maybe some of those other guys wouldn't. And we know that this isn't just, you know, about performance. It's entertainment. It's monetary. There's a lot that goes into it. This is a business. So for me, you know, it kind of hits on a bunch of different storylines. But uh, I do do like addressing it. All right, let's talk about a guy who will definitely be on the opening day roster, Michael Conforto. You are writing about him for the site. What have you seen so far, and uh, how do you feel like his rehab is coming along? Well, I'll I'll correct you there, Alexa. He definitely will not be on the opening day roster. He's still recovering from that shoulder surgery that he had late last season. And May 1st is kind of the target date that Sandy Alderson has set out for Michael Conforto. It could be a little sooner than that. It could be later than that. The goal is kind of, and the whole reason why Conforto had this surgery was that they want to make sure that when he's right, he's right, and he'll be good. He didn't necessarily have to have the operation, but not doing so would have put him at risk for future dislocations. The shoulder isn't necessarily a new injury for Conforto. It was bad last year, and then he dislocated it. He tore a capsule in the back of his shoulder, uh, but it's something he had dealt with in the past in his college career. So by doing this now, Doctors have told Michael Conforto that he has a 99% chance to keep the shoulder intact. He doesn't have to worry about future dislocations as opposed to that shoulder just being a ticking time bomb for him. So it's going to cost him probably about a month of the season, maybe even a little more than that. But, again, the goal is that once he takes the field, he will be able to resume what he was doing. And that was a really good career arc for a really good young player, a guy who was an all-star at age 24 um, who basically had to – scratch and claw and fight for the playing time he got early in the season and hit so well that the Mets could not afford to have him on the bench. He was really good, one of the few bright spots for the team last year. 
Um, but he's got to get healthy. And, and again, the hope is that once he does, he'll be healthy for good. All right. Then we'll not be on the opening day roster, Michael Conforto. And uh, yeah, I guess Mets fans are hoping that he gets back as soon as possible so they can see uh, him back, you know, on the field and, and producing the way that they know he can. Give me a dark horse who potentially, you know, is flying under the radar that could potentially make this uh, opening day roster. Yeah, you know, that's an interesting question because there aren't, at least on the offensive side, there aren't a lot of jobs open right now. There might not be any jobs open. Uh, I think the starting eight is pretty clear. I think if the Mets wind up going with an eight-man bullpen and a four-man bench, I think the bench is pretty much set as well. So I'm just going to ignore that side of the ball and look at the pitching. Uh, Jason Vargas solidifies the rotation. There are competitions for those four and five spots uh, behind Vargas and DeGrom and Syndergaard. Uh, but I'm at least before we begin these Grapefruit League games, I'm kind of willing to pencil in Matt Harvey and Steven Matz, and we'll go from there. So I guess my point in saying all of this is is the jobs to be won are in the bullpen, and I think some of the most intriguing guys at camp are the players that the Mets traded for last summer when they gave up Jay Bruce, Madison Reed, and Lucas Duda, and all these guys. They got some hard-throwing young pitching prospects in return, and I've had a chance to watch some of these guys in the backfield now. Drew Smith, Gerson Bautista, who throws 101 miles an hour. Uh, we saw a couple of them in the big leagues last season, Jamie Callahan and Jacob Rame. There's a chance that none of those guys make the opening day roster. There's a lot of good arms in camp, uh, a lot of guys vying for essentially three or four spots in the bullpen. Uh, but any one of those guys is a very interesting candidate. And ultimately, the Mets are probably going to wind up using – 12, 13, 14 relievers regularly over the course of the season. That's kind of why they wanted to acquire so many young arms last year was so that they could create a shuttle between AAA and the big leagues, uh, much as the Yankees have done, as uh, the Dodgers have done, as a bunch of teams around the, around the league have, have done effectively is get these guys who are young, who have minor league options, who can go up and down in the case of an injury or, or somebody just not performing or even as simple as somebody throwing 40 pitches. In, in a game the night before. So um, I think all those arms I mentioned, Drew Smith, Bautista, Callahan, Rain, those are the guys that uh, Grapefruit League performance is going to matter when the Mets are coming down the stretch here in spring training and deciding who's in and who's out. All right, speaking of who's in and who's out, let's talk about who's in and who's out of this starting rotation because you have very aggressively said on Twitter that, you know, with the way the free agent market has shaped up this offseason and with the Mets' injuries in the past, that they needed to add some some depth to help bolster at least the back end of this rotation. Here we go with Jason Vargas. So they go ahead and sign him to a two-year, $16 million contract. One, why did Jason Vargas pick the Mets? And then two, what does this mean for the rotation? What happens to Zach Wheeler or Matt Harvey? Well, to answer the first part, uh, Jason Vargas picked the Mets because they were, I mean, they gave him a pretty nice deal. It's $16 million guaranteed over, over two years, plus some incentives, plus an option year. Whole thing, whole total package could be worth $27 million over three years if he hits every incentive and that option gets picked up. So it was a pretty, it was a pretty sweet deal for Jason Vargas. Uh, he liked the idea of coming back to New York after playing briefly here very early in his career. Um, obviously, he, like a lot of people around the league, think this is a good spot to potentially get back to the World Series for him and, and win another World Series. So uh, it was appealing to Jason Vargas for those reasons. Uh, pitching coach Dave Island, who he had for four years in Kansas City, was a big proponent of this deal, and that was appealing to Vargas as well. Uh, what it does 
for the rotation, uh, it changes the entire thing in my eyes. You're right. I, I, was, I was pretty aggressive on Twitter and lobbying uh, for the Mets to make a move like this. It didn't have to be Vargas, but it had to be someone. They needed rotation stability. They needed innings uh, because, frankly, no one knows what the Mets are going to get out of Matt Harvey. No one knows what they're going to get out of Steven Matz or Seth Lugo, Robert Cassell, and they needed a sure thing, and Jason Vargas is that. Now, I mentioned earlier that I'm kind of penciling Matt Harvey and Steven Matz into the rotation. Uh, that could change. Someone could win a job. A, a, a Lugo or a Gesellman or, or a Zach Wheeler could really perform well in Grapefruit League games and, and take a job from one of those guys, or obviously an injury could come up, but... In terms of what the Mets see as their potential rotation upside, um, and obviously Matt Harvey's salary plays into this as well, uh, I think uh, on paper right now, that's my starting five. DeGrom, Syndergaard, Vargas, Harvey, and Matt. So what that does is it leaves three guys with pretty significant big league experience at this point in, in Gesellman, in Lugo, and Wheeler without rotation jobs. So that being the case, uh, the Mets have hinted pretty strongly so far this spring that probably one of those guys is going to make the bullpen and then we'll see about the rest um it's not going to be an easy conversation for mickey callaway to have with these guys who came to camp probably expecting at least to compete strongly for the rotation and they will um but you know zach wheeler wasn't the most thrilled guy in the world they talked to us after the vargas signing and he didn't sure didn't seem like a guy who wanted to go to the bullpen i don't think any of them in a perfect world would go to the bullpen, uh, but they're going to have to accept this reality. And I think Zach Wheeler has kind of changed his tune in recent days, and he understands the situation. And, and these guys all understand that, look, the Mets didn't want to go out and commit $16 million guaranteed to a starting pitcher when they have this team that's built around starting pitching. They did it because they felt like they needed to. They did it because all of these guys that I've just been talking about for the past couple of minutes, the Gaselmans and the Lugos and the Wheelers and the Harveys and the Mets, none of them – put up a full healthy season last year and if they had done that if they had put up a productive season 150 plus innings uh, i think we'd be having a very different conversation right now so in that sense i think a lot of these guys uh need to and are taking a step back and, and realizing this is this is a situation in a lot of ways of their own creation now they have to go out and perform and nothing's going to be given to them anymore they have to perform and win jobs and win every inning they're going to pitch this year I know that a lot of live game action starts Friday. When do the Mets open up, and who's on the mound? Do you know? We do not know yet uh, who's going to be on the mound, but it's always a little uh, it's always a little anticlimactic. Sometimes the Mets, in particular, uh, save their big guns for later in the spring. Um, so I'm not sure you're going to see uh, Jacob Degrom or Noah Syndergaard out there. We should find out in the next couple of days. All right, you'll keep us updated. That's going to do it for us here on MLB.com Extras, our Mets edition. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Thanks, Anthony. Appreciate it. You got it.